Um, Rachel, introduce this podcast with your ASMR voice. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Chardonnay and DNA with Becky and Rachel. Where I am whispering into the mic because I am in my bathroom. <laughs> well, and just to be to be for the sake of honesty, Rachel had to talk shit real quick and couldn't and couldn't talk loudly. She was, she was using her SMR voice. And I liked yeah. it. It was nice. It was nice. It gave you the tingles. It did give me the tingles. Oh yeah, that was really quiet. So because she had to she had to talk shit about something but that's yeah. over now so i think yeah I, I think there's a fine line between asmr and just fucking creepy <laughs> like, i think there. i think i could probably make it creepy i don't know if i want to but like just say yeah. oh my god it would just say panties <laughs> moist pants <laughs> <laughs> i hope i hope that i made everyone vomit a little bit in their mouths because oh, i did Becky i should just fucking spontaneously combusts right here that was gross yeah yep solidly disgusting so um well like i was telling you i have breaking news all right hit me with it um okay so this headline from a cnn.com article says john benet ramsey's father asked governor to have dna testing in case done by outside agency holy shit yep that was from tuesday oh did we hear anything yet do we have a a yay and a uh i don't think no that's i think that's the newest development but i thought that was wait well so why did he have to ask the governor why can't he just pay for it aren't they like well off well that's a good question so i was scanning this article I know this is kind of long, but could I, do you think I could read this article? I give zero shits. Please do. Okay. The father. I mean, I give lots of shits about the case. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's kind of important. And I also thought like this sort of, I never thought he had anything to do with it. um, Because (laughs) honestly, it was a vibe check. Okay. I watched a, I watched an interview with him I was like, he just has, his eyes are too kind. I just don't think he had anything to do with it. I mean, that's fair. Can you do me a quick, quick uh, mic favor though? What? Can you back the mic away from you a tiny bit? Cause I'm watching you bump it. <laughs> oh, okay. Better. <laughs> and you're, and you're like, if you would see, let me show you the lines. Do you see our lines in comparison? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Y'all just got a little technical difficulties there. Okay. Are, we, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. So anyway, uh, let me read this article. It's not terribly long. And um, then I want to just briefly chat about it. Got it. Okay. The father of John Benet Ramsey, the six-year-old Colorado girl whose 1996 killing in the family home became a huge national story, is asking the Colorado governor to intervene and let an outside agency take over DNA testing in the ongoing investigation. On December 26, 1996, John Bonet was reported missing from the family's home in Boulder. Her mother, Patsy, told police she found a three-page ransom note demanding $118,000 for the girl's return. 
Her body was found hours later by her father, John, in a basement room of the home. The case captivated the country since, due to John Binet's involvement in beauty pageants for young girls, her family's wealth, and the initial suspicion around her parents, who were never charged and later cleared by authorities using DNA testing. The Office of Colorado Governor Jared Polis's office said Monday it is reviewing a petition asking him to intervene in the investigation. The petition claims Boulder police have not worked fast enough to test the DNA evidence, and given the lack of progress, the petitioners are asking the governor to move DNA decisions, in this case, away from the Boulder Police Department to an independent agency so that John Bonet has a last chance at the justice she deserves. John Ramsey said he, quote, approved the text of the petition, signed it, and contributed to find its circulation. He told CNN on Tuesday that testing should be done by a third party. Um, and then, oh, there's just a, kind of a long quote by John Ramsey just saying that, like, the police's egos are getting in the way, and he wants it done by an outside organization. Um, did, did they say what outside organization? Just checking. No, um, they, they are, this does say that police have never explained to John Ramsey or his family why they wouldn't accept outside help. Um, if people don't know, Patsy Ramsey, John Bonet's mother died of cancer in 2006 and John Ramsey has since remarried and, um, no longer lives in Colorado. Oh, I didn't know her mother died. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah. She died a while ago. Um, Police, I guess this says police met with federal, state, and local agencies in March. um, And multiple suspects have been run through the system to check for matches due to the huge advances in DNA. Um... Oh, and John Ramsey, so I'm skipping up some paragraphs of just like quotes, but uh, John Ramsey says that a lot of um, a lot of evidence hasn't been tested. Um, Really? Yeah. So this is John Ramsey said he recently attended CrimeCon, a convention dedicated to true crime, where he discovered some of the latest DNA technology is not always available to federal and local police departments, but can be contracted out to independent labs, which we've talked a lot about. Um, right. He said some of the most compelling technology was the use of familial genealogy, which we know about helped to identify the Golden State Killer. Um, investigators identified him using a then novel technique known as genetic genealogy. So it sounds like that's what John Ramsey would like to explore. Um hmm. mm. So yeah, it doesn't speak to what organization they want to go through. And it also doesn't speak to like why he can't just hire it. But I mean, maybe it's just too expensive. I don't know. Well, it could also be that he doesn't have access to the DNA. You know what I mean? Like Uh, maybe it's like locked up for the cops or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I mean... Can't you pay to have it exhumed, the body exhumed or something? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I was wondering if Othram was getting involved since they've been so prevalent in like getting like the tiniest bits of DNA. You know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, and it very, that very well could be something that they try to do. But 
I thought this was super interesting. And I also think that it might further solidify that Burke didn't fucking do it. I mean, we'll find out. Just because I, I couldn't see John Ramsey wanting to throw his son under the bus if he knew that he did it. If he knew that he did it is the key fucking word there. Yeah. But do you really think that he wouldn't have? I mean, the mom could have covered it up. Well, okay, here's the thing. This is what Lauren and I were talking about. I do think that the, I do think Patsy wrote the note. Yeah, I just, yeah, I agree. And I I mean, that's, that's kind of why I still stick with the Burke theory. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. You don't think Patsy would have told John that it happened? Fuck no. She's protecting her baby boy. She's the less people who know. As a true crime lover, would you be running around telling your spouse about your crimes immediately? If you murdered someone and you took care of it and handled it, or like if I murdered someone, would you rush to Joe immediately? Like, oh my God, Rachel murdered someone and I helped her bury the body. Or would you be like, no, uh, I'm going to keep this on the DL. And the only people who need to know are me and you. But it just, but like he was in the house when this happened. But he also discovered her body too. And that was probably part of the plan. You don't think they they looked in all those rooms before? I think that seems far-fetched. Because it's not like he wasn't there. And like, it, it just, I think that seems far-fetched, honestly. That he would never have known. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's a possibility. It might be far-fetched, but it's definitely I mean, a it's, a, it's possible, sure. We heard weirder shit happen in true crime. I just think it's unlikely. So, but I mean, either way, it, I, it's not like I'm going to be pissed off if it's not Burke and I was wrong. Like, I just fucking, or everybody, you know, everybody who believes it was Burke was wrong. We just want to know. We just want to know what the fuck happened to her and whether it was Burke or, you know, if Patsy had anything to do with it or whoever the DNA was connected to, you know what I mean? Like everybody just wants a fucking answer. I do get really caught up on, it was something like uh, John Ramsey got this bonus at work and it was the exact ransom amount that was asked for, that $118,000. That's interesting. That seems too fucking coincidental to me. Yeah. Like it was yeah. the exact amount. Like that's what I, I it, I think that Patsy wrote the note. I just don't know why. Yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm wondering, like, what organization they'll want to go through and if it'll actually happen. So we may be one step closer to figuring out who done it. That would be nice. It would be. I also find it really funny that he was at a true crime convention. I. It like, is kind of funny, right? Like, was he a special guest at the true crime convention? Did he go on his own? Like, I mean, not that I, I think he couldn't go on his own and like, you know, be interested in true crime, but it's just kind of weird because he's been in the public eye and like has such a prolific case in his life to like imagine him wanting to go to one, I guess. Well, maybe like, he wanted to go to find out more about what could be done. Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. That's a fair point. Because it sounds like that's where he found out about um like, more you know dna techniques so maybe that's why yeah clearly it was beneficial so yeah um all right well would you like to hear a story i would love to hear a story tell me a tale you know and this is actually a bit of a different 
a different kind of tale. It's a few different tales today. It's a smorgasbord, if you will. A, a multi-layered fairy tale? Um, kind of, except more horrible. Horror? Horror tale? Um, just kind of existential, like, we live in a hellscape terror. <laughs> cool. Add to my dread, baby. I'm ready. Okay, so I had originally planned for this to go out on uh, da, 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 May 2nd, but we had a bunch of shit happen, so it didn't, which is fine. So it's still relevant. This will come out on the 9th. But this is this episode is in honor of the Innocence Project um, helping to get Melissa Lucio a stay of execution. So what I wanted to do is I picked four of four people that they have helped. And I picked, I think four, either four or five, but I think four. Um, I picked the people that have been wrongly incarcerated the longest to talk about. So these there, they all do happen to be men, but these men were the, I went through the cases of who they helped exonerate. And I picked the ones that were incarcerated for the longest amount of time to talk about just, just to like highlight their work, because I was really touched by that whole story. And I'm really glad that she got a stay of execution. And I think that they're um, kind of the best organization that's ever been an organization if i do say that yeah. myself yeah do it doing good work yep so i'm gonna start with curtis edward mccarty who was in jail for a total of 22 years jeez yeah so on december 10th 1982 18 year old pamela k willis was found naked and fatally stabbed and strangled in the oklahoma city home where she was staying Curtis McCarty became a suspect because he knew Pamela. They don't really speak to how, and I'm taking this strictly from the Innocence Project's description of the cases. So I didn't go into a deep dive on like all the details of the cases since I'm doing a few. Um, But he basically was a suspect probably because he was probably involved in maybe some like activities you know like I, I don't know I'm speculating but it yeah he, he basically knew her so he was a suspect <laughs> right right um maybe he had to pass some kind of petty shit on his record but I guarantee it was bullshit so right Curtis McCarty became a suspect of um of this murder surrounding Pamela Willis soon after the murder in 1983 forensic analyst Joyce Gilchrist Keep this name in your mind for the most hated person of this story. Okay. This forensic analysis, Joyce, uh, compared hairs from the crime scene with Curtis's and found that they were not similar. Police interviewed Curtis several times over the next three years, but he was not arrested until 1985. At that time, Joyce Gilchrist changed her notes and reversed her findings, saying now that the crime scene hairs could have belonged to Curtis. Attorneys for McCarty did not discover the change in Gilchrist's notes until 2000 when she was under investigation for fraud and other cases. The only word I can think of for this woman starts with a C. Uh Uh-huh. And ends with a T. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not cat. (laughs) It is not cat. Yeah. So Joyce, our buddy, also testified that Curtis McCarty's blood type matched the blood type of sperm found on the victim. 
Oklahoma City District Attorney Robert H. Macy, another person that will grow to hate, committed misconduct in presenting the case to the jury by withholding key evidence. So, because of these two pieces of shit, the jury convicted McCarty and he was sentenced to death. So, McCarty was on death row for two years before Oklahoma's highest court overturned his conviction due to prosecutorial misconduct, improper forensic procedures, and comments made on the stand by Gilchrist. McCarty, yep, McCarty was retried in 1989 with Gilchrist again on the stand testifying for the state. Why the fuck does she still have a job? Well, so this timeline is a little back and forth, but they actually didn't know that Gilchrist lied until 2000 because okay. then all this other fraud came up. Okay. So my understanding is that my understanding is that maybe the first case was um, the first case. They didn't quite know how bad she was. So she still had her job. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. The tiniest thing that you fuck up as a forensic person on purpose. Yep. Immediately fired. Immediately to jail. Straight to jail. To, we are done. Jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> that is it. Like, No. So in 1989, um, like four years later, after he was already sentenced to death, the jury was told again that the hairs could have belonged to him and he was sentenced to death again. So he has two death sentences. Like, why even bother redoing the trial? I have no idea. So Macy, the... um, Macy was the the district attorney um, who led both prosecutions against McCarty, sent 73 people to death row during his 21-year career. 20 of those 73 have been executed. And they were all probably innocent. And uh, they could have very well been all innocent. Or at least not a death penalty offense. Like, what the fuck? Yep. So in 1995, an appellate court upheld McCarty's conviction but ordered new sentencing due to a jury instruction problem in the second trial. A new jury heard four days of testimony in 1996 and handed down McCarty's third death sentence. Jesus Christ, what? Yeah, so this guy has been told, you can go die now for this crime three times. For the third time. Yep. Okay, so here's the takedown of Joy Gilchrist. In 2000, Joyce Gilchrist was under investigation for allegedly reporting false forensic results in other cases. That same year, she was asked to re-examine the hair evidence on appeal, and she said that it would be suitable for DNA testing. However, when defense attorneys asked her to produce the evidence, she said it had been lost or destroyed. The hairs have never been found. And at the close of the investigation, Joyce Gilchrist was fired due to the forensic fraud she committed in many cases. Her false testimony had contributed to two other wrongful convictions that were later overturned by DNA, those of Jeffrey Todd Pierce and Robert Miller. She testified in thousands of cases over her 20-year tenure. Okay, is this bitch still not in jail? Uh... 
That's a good question. Uh, well, she should be charged with fucking attempted murder. Yeah, she, well, she, yeah, this only says she was fired. So, like, get her. What are you doing? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, that, that might be a stretch, but not really. People could be dead because of her. No, it's absolute garbage. Yeah. But no, they, I don't think they ever speak to if she went to jail or not. Did she even have a fucking degree? Like, <laughs> good point. I don't know. What the fuck? This is not a situation where you can fake it till you make it, guys. Like, well, and she blatantly, I, I wonder if someone was paying her off because she blatantly changed her story. She's maybe, I, I maybe wonder like if corrupt so, government. Yeah, I really wonder if that's what happened because at first she's like, oh no, these hairs, like, they didn't belong to him. And then she said they could have. Why would you change it? Yeah, what's the purpose of changing your mind there? Yeah. So in 2002, attorneys for Curtis McCarty were able to secure DNA testing on sperm recovered from the victim's body. And uh, the results show that the sperm did not match McCarty. Shocker, shocker. Mm -hmm. The Innocence Project got involved in this case in 2003. And in 2005, a new trial was awarded um, after an evidentiary hearing before Judge Twyla Mason Gray, which is a great name. That's a gorgeous name. It is. Um, and Judge Gray ruled that Joyce Gilchrist's misconduct and bad faith destruction of evidence had tainted McCarty's conviction. It caused McCarty's conviction. Yeah. Yep. Yep. As a third trial was scheduled, McCarty was represented by the Innocence Project, along with attorneys Perry Hudson and Marna Franklin. And in 2007, additional DNA testing showed that evidence recovered from scrapings of Pamela's, the victim's fingernails, was from a male but did not match McCarty. Further forensic analysis showed that a bloody footprint on the victim's body could not have been McCarty's. I'm not sure if that was based on like shoe size or what, um, but they, they found that it wasn't, it couldn't have been his. And based on this exculpatory evidence, as well as Joyce Gilchrist's misconduct, um, the attorneys moved to dismiss the charges before a third trial was held. On May 11th, which technically I think it would have been a fourth trial, but I don't know if they meant because he's got three death sentences already. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they meant what? by that. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Huh. But on and maybe they maybe they weren't all jury trial. No, they were. I don't know. I think they meant fourth. But on, anyway, on May 11th, 2007. Judge Gray granted the motion and McCarty was released from custody um, and prosecutors didn't appeal. Probably because they were like, well, I mean, all of our people have fucked this up royally. Like, how are we going to appeal? Yeah. Yeah. So when McCarty was released, he had been in Oklahoma prisons and jails for 22 years, 19 of which was spent on death row. Oh, my God. He's the 15th person in the United States and the third in Oklahoma to be exonerated by DNA testing after serving time on death row. That's. Isn't that crazy? Absolutely insane. Yep. Absolutely insane. All right. So here's our second gentleman. This is Nicholas Yaris, who was in custody and on death. Well, I don't know about on death row, but he was in prison for 21 years. Okay. So on December 15th, 1981, a young sales associate from the Tri-State Mall in Pennsylvania was abducted in her car after her shift. When she didn't arrive home, uh, hours after she was supposed to, her husband called the cops. Investigators quickly located 
her car, which had been abandoned on a roadway near, um, Chi- I don't know how to say, Chichester or Ch- Chichester, PA, which I think is on the other side of the state. There's a Chester over there and a Westchester, so why not a Chichester? Chichester, yeah. Sure. So the following day, the victim's body, which was covered in snow, was found beaten, stabbed, and raped in a church parking lot a mile and a half away from her car. In a church parking lot? Yeah. Isn't that, like, especially sinister? Uh, yeah, the whole thing is fucked, don't get me wrong, but, like, just uh, in the, ch- like, I'm not even religious, but I'm still no, just, but, like. But it's still, it, even if you're not religious, it's still, like, a sacred place. It, yeah, it's a sacred place for whoever believes in that, and, like, you respect that, even if it's not your your game, you know? Like, uh, it's very gross. Um, So she was still clothed, but the murderer had cut open her clothing to commit the assault. Um, police determined that she had bled to death from multiple stab wounds in her chest. Um, biological material, including sperm and fingernail scrapings, were collected from the victim's body. Um, and police also collected gloves believed to have been left by the murderer from the victim's car. Four days after the discovery of the body, police stopped Nicholas Yaris on a Pennsylvania roadway for a traffic violation. The routine stop escalated into a violent confrontation between Yaris and the officer and ended in his arrest for attempted murder of a police officer. What? <laughs> like, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect that to happen. Right? I know. I read that. I was like, did he have a weapon? I mean, because cops have weapons. Did he have a weapon? I don't understand. Also, what the fuck did you do? What did the cop do to piss him off that badly? He's probably a fucking asshole. I'm sh- I'm sure. So while he was in custody, Yaris accused an acquaintance of committing the tri-state mall murder in a gambit to gain his freedom. So I guess what that means is he was like, I know who did this. I'll tell you if you let me go, is what Right. Okay. But and it's then- kind of like Nick Buddy. Don't even bring it up, man. But he probably, I don't know. I don't know what his line of thought was. But uh, he was probably just scraping, you know, for any way to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So when the suspect that he threw out there was ruled out, Yaris became the prime suspect of the murder investigation. According to a detective statement, Yaris was asked, did you mean to kill her? And responded by saying, I never meant to kill anyone. Oh, no. Which is kind of like, ugh, like, buddy. I want you to know, as you're talking about these, I'm, like, on the Innocent Project's, like, website looking at all the cases. And, like, I'm blown away at the years some of these people have served. But I'm also trying to find him. Um. Yeah, and I also was very surprised. I only think either maybe one or two of these guys was black. I think the others were white. How many years? What was the oldest case that you're covering? Um, the one with the longest was McCarty. And how many years was he in? 22. Because I found something like 34 years that they served. I'm just like, holy shit. Oh, oh, you know what? I filtered it by solved with DNA. I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay. That helps me because I was like, Jesus. Yeah, I, I, that's just for the sake of the podcast. That's what I did because yeah. I thought it would be kind of relevant. So, yes, yes. I'm sorry. These are no, the no, longest. That's perfect. Yeah. These are the longest 
in jail slash on death row that were sentenced to the death penalty and were exonerated by DNA. Got it. Thank you. Sorry. Yep. Um, so conventional testing was done on the rape kit and the results concluded or could not exclude Yaris. Along with the biological evidence, prosecutors relied on the testimony of a jailhouse informant and identifications by the victim's co-workers who identified Yaris as the man seen harassing the victim before the murder. Which, like, that's kind of trash. Yeah. Yeah. The fuck do you mean a jailhouse informant? Was he there? And you know what? Honestly, like, they could have fucking coerced him. Like, if you do this, you know, kind of like what he was trying to pull Mm -hmm. to get away with it. Like, if you do this, then we'll you know, give you a a lesser sentence or some horse shit. I just don't get how that would have been. Like, I get the witnesses that claim to see him around the victim, but a jailhouse informant, like, how is that credible? Yeah, I don't, I truly don't understand how the fuck that is even possible. So in 1982, um, which was, this the actual crime happened in 1981. In 1982, Nicholas Yaris was convicted of murder, rape, and abduction, and sentenced to death. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So he claimed he proclaimed his innocence and insisted on his innocence, um, which led to a long struggle for DNA testing. Um, in 1989, he became one of Pennsylvania's first death row inmates to demand post-conviction DNA testing to prove his innocence. Um, yeah. There was successive rounds of DNA testing on various pieces of evidence all like all throughout the 1990s, but they all failed to produce conclusive results Um, with with his hope kind of dwindling. A breakthrough ended up occurring in 2003 when Dr. Edward Blake conducted a final round of testing on the gloves found in the victim's car. They also looked at fingernail scrapings from the victim and any remaining sperm found on the the victim's underwear. Significantly, the profile obtained from the gloves and the sperm evidence appeared to originate from the same person. On July 2nd, 2003, they ended up excluding Nicholas Yaris from all biological material connected with the crime. Good. Yep. So on September 3rd, 2003, based on Dr. Blake's results, the court vacated Yaris's conviction and he became the 140th person in the United States to be exonerated by post-conviction DNA testing and the 13th DNA exoneration from death row. Wow. Due, however, to a 1985 conviction for escape with with connected charges in Florida, Yaris still had a 30-year sentence on his record and he remained in jail. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. On January 15th, 2004, uh, Florida reduced his sentence to 17 years time served and granted his release. The following day, Nicholas Yaris was finally freed from a Pennsylvania prison after spending over 21 years behind bars for a crime he didn't commit. So I wonder if they really targeted him because he had a past criminal record and yep. they're like, this guy's a piece of shit. So, yep. and I think, I honestly think that's probably what happened with the last one too. Yeah. But it didn't seem like, like, did he have that bad of a criminal record that we know of? Like he had just been involved with some shit and they were just like, uh, no, it didn't. I'm, I'm purely like, I'm 
purely speculating. He might not have, but just the way it was worded, like he was an acquaintance of the victim. So that's why they looked at him. Like there had to be more than that. Yeah, absolutely. So he probably just had some petty dumb shit on his record and they were just like, oh, let's put this guy away. Right, right. Just because he was like in proximity to this woman. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of wild so far that they've both been white. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, okay, so this next one, I think one of these was a black man, and I can't I should have written I shouldn't write that written that down because I think that is kind of relevant, you know. It is, it absolutely is. Um, just as far as like why um he might have been unfairly uh targeted. Or- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this next gentleman is Charles Irvin Fain. He was incarcerated for 18 years. Um, So in 1982, a young girl um, had been abducted while walking to school. Her body was discovered days later near a river. Police began questioning Charles Irvin Fain, who had recently moved into the area. Along with dozens of others, Fain was asked to provide hair samples for comparison to the hair found on the victim. After performing microscopic hair comparison, the FBI determined that hairs from the crime scene were similar to Fane's. Similar. Similar. How is that? How is that? (laughs) Okay. Yep. Um, At trial, the prosecution relied on unvalidated forensic evidence and the testimony of two jailhouse informants. Um, an FBI mm. hair analyst testified that Fane's hairs and the hairs from the crime scene were similar and shared an uncommon trait. Can I just say something before I forget the thought? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with jailhouse informants or anyone in jail giving any information about anything because it's the same kind of thing with like consent, right? Like, you cannot give consent as a prisoner to have like a sexual relationship with a guard or someone in a higher power. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's rape. Even if there is supposedly consent. And I know that's a bit of a stretch, but I'm looking at it. Like I see where you're going with it though. Yes. So like you cannot look at someone who is facing years, months, whatever in, in a terrifying situation with like little, probably shitty medical care. Right. Shitty legal aid. Yeah. You know, and look at them and really truthfully allow them to testify and bargain for their freedom. It's just, it's going to skew so many things. Like, I'm not saying it's not always a good, like a bad thing, but like that, it just seems like it's the same situation with the consent. You are dealing with a hierarchy of power Mm -hmm. that is unfair and unbalanced and it's just going to skew your results and like it it pits these these inmates against each other oh yeah absolutely And it's like to me it's like well where's the relevance why why are you giving information about this guy how do you even know him how do like that's what that's what it is for me like what and truthfully how are you going to take someone's like, so if they're jailhouse informants, say they were in jail with the person, right? Okay. And like, while they were in there, they confessed to doing something to their, to their celly for lack of a better, you know, idea. Mm-hmm. Right. 
They could just be saying some off the wall shit to cover their asses so that they're not fucking, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Like targeted, like you don't, you don't know. You don't know. Like when I used to go into the jail for work, okay. They would tell me wild shit. None of it was true. None of it was true, but it was like, it was like a, a rep thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, it I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, no I, that, can, no, I can see that. It like helped keep their reputation and keep people. I don't know. It's just fucking weird. Yeah. And it's like, it it does, it does just seem like you're putting everyone in a pressure cooker and expecting them to be telling the truth all the time. Like what? Yeah. On both sides, on both the informant and the, wherever they're getting their information it's yeah the psychological stress that you go through being incarcerated whether that's in solitary or just normal incarceration should be taken into consideration when you're accepting these jailhouse informants you know i any information they're giving you plus any confessions too like that stress could make you confess to anything so yeah i have I to know. agree with you like that's um it doesn't seem reliable. <laughs> no, sorry. I just had to say it before I forgot because it seemed like, yeah, you know, something to talk about. So, well, um, back to the bleak realization that uh, Mr. Fane was being going to be convicted just because his hair was similar to someone's, um, mm. which blows my mind. Quality science. Yeah, based on that, these hairs were they both revealed an uncommon trait um so therefore they're the same whatever okay so because there wasn't adequate data on the frequency of various characteristics in human hair it's invalid for an analyst to characterize whether consistency is a rare or common event which i think is important um yeah so yeah so anyway um, another FBI forensic examiner was called upon to testify about his comparison between shoe prints from the crime scene and shoes collected from Fane. He said he found similarities to a shoe print examiner. Oh, he said he found similarities, sorry, quote, to a shoe print examiner. This would indicate that the individual who walked with these shoes has the same walking gait. Shoe print analysis of this type was never validated, and the two the two jailhouse informants testified that Fane had told him or told them of his involvement in the crime and provided graphic details while they shared a cell with him. Fane was convicted and sentenced to death on these bullshit reasons. All bullshit. Yeah. yeah. A similar gait, similar hair, and information from jailhouse snitches basically shoe print analysis blows my fucking mind that that's even like like i understand there's there's definitely probably a science to it like the wear on the shoe is similar to this print or something like that or like the weight put in this area like if somebody walked they'd probably put that same weight but like i just don't understand why that should even be i don't know like there's not multiple pairs of shoes out there of the same kind it doesn't seem like enough to put someone to death for no not at all okay continue so mitochondrial dna testing conducted on a post-conviction appeal revealed that the hairs uh pubic hairs found on the victim's socks and underwear were not feigns 
Based on this new evidence, a judge ordered his release in August 2001. The pro, uh, the prosecution decided not to try him again. Fain had served nearly 18 years on death row for a murder and rape he didn't commit. Um, never mind. <laughs> it's bleak, isn't it? <laughs> Just, it's really bleak, and I was not trying to make fun. But, like, the amount of times we hear, like that pubic hairs have fallen out. <laughs> Our crotch is balding. I don't understand what's happening. Why so many pubic hairs fall out. Like that was my, <laughs> I'm sorry. You just took a drink. <laughs> no, my I, bad. I thought the same thing. I'm like, I thought we were talking about head hair because that does happen. Like people do. Yeah. You shed frequently. I shed all day, every day from my hair. My crotch fucking doesn't. <laughs> so, what is, why? I, I know. And I'm just like, guys, you're really, you're grasping at pubes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new grasping at straws is definitely grasping at pubes. You're grasping at pubes, man. We're going to say that out in the wild someday and someone's going to be like, excuse me? You're going to call the police on me, I'm sure, if I said no, that. No, at that point, it's an opportunity to go just listen to my podcast. You'll get it. You're grasping at pubes, man. You're grasping at pubes. I would really like that for that to be the uh, episode name. I, gra- Terry, you heard it. Grasping at pubes. Give us your opinion, sir. Yeah, to be, to be decided. Yeah. Okay, last one. Okay. Dennis Williams um, also served 18 years for a crime that he didn't commit. Shocker, shocker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a young woman and her fiance had been abducted in 1978 in Illinois. Um, the young woman had been raped and both were murdered in an abandoned house. Dennis Williams and his friends and co-defendants, Kenneth Adams and Willie Range, were residents of the neighborhood where the couple was found and were seen on the street the night of the crime. So obviously they did it. Clearly. Um, oh, and also Verniel Jimerson was also um, among, I know that's a quite a name. Jimerson? Verniel Jimerson. It was just a Jimerson that got me. Jim- like, yeah. I'm, I love it. I love it. Um, so all these men, Jimerson, Williams, Adams, Range, were dubbed the Ford Heights Four. <sighs> you know it's bad when it's like the the place and the and the number. Like if there's a the number of them, it's, yeah, it, you know it's going to be all bad. Yeah. So Williams, Adams, and Range were tried together in 1978 and represented by an attorney named Archie Weston. Another great name. Yeah, that's that's like a classic name. It really is. The Archie Weston. Archie Weston. The state's chief witness in the case, Paula Gray, claimed to have been at the scene of the crime with the four men. After her testimony, secured indictments of all four men. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. After her testimony secured indictments of all four men, she recanted and the charges against Jimerson were dropped. During the trial, the state presented eyewitness testimony in or placing Williams, Adams, and Range near the scene of the crime and at the time of the crime. There is a major timing inconsistency in the witness's account, while Weston failed to point it out to the jury. A state expert testified improperly 
that a hair found in William's car microscopically matched, air quote, William's hair, saying, just like if you drop $2 bills and you see $2 and you see dollar bills on the floor, you see two $1 bills. It's obvious. What? That's a direct quote. What the fuck does that even mean? I feel like I just got slapped. <laughs> just, just like if you drop $2 bills and you see dollar bills on the floor, you see two $1 bills. It's obvious. So I guess that's to Matt, like two single dollar bills, but it sounds like a $2 bill was how I read it. And I, yeah. So two single dollar bills. I guess what he was saying is like the hairs looked exactly alike, which Dollar bills don't look exactly alike, though. And it's also like, what? Like, <laughs> why did you just say they looked? They looked the same. Like, I don't. That's, that's weird. But like, even though that's a dumbass quote, because like, dollar <laughs> bills still have different sequencing numbers and stuff, and like, and the little what the and the little threads inside. Like, sir, do you have a degree? <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just asking for a friend, sir. Do you have brain cells? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? If they uh, drop $2 bills and you see dollar bills on the floor, you see two $1 bills. <laughs> like, what? That, it sounds like stripper science. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Um, microscopic. I don't know. I'm sorry. I know. It's so ridiculous. Let I know. me be clear that I didn't mean that strippers aren't smart because I know many smart strippers, but it sounds like. If you drop two dollar bills, like for some reason the dollar bills just made me think of like a girl on a stage dropping dollar bills. Like All I, I hear in this quote, as I keep looking at it, I just hear that's all I hear. Who's throwing dollar bills? That's what I meant by that, like stripper science. I didn't mean like I meant like a dude in a club, like you know, making it rain. Why? Yeah, they're just counting dollar bills. I don't and how, and who's doing that with hair? And is it pubes? And that was a state expert. It shouldn't shock us anymore how fucking dumb these people are. That's like crazy. Uh, okay. So microscopic hair comparison can never prove a conclusive match, but Weston failed to challenge this evidence, which, okay, Archie, Archie Weston, whatever the fuck your name is. Why aren't you challenging this? Isn't that your goddamn job? I take it back, Archie. You kind of suck, Archie. You kind of suck, Archie. Um, all right. So uh, because there's not adequate data on the frequency, just like the last one, there's just not accurate data on all of the various types of human hair. So this doesn't, this isn't valid in a court of law. It shouldn't be. Um, because you really can't say that any two hairs match. It's not, it's not completely possible. <laughs> you know, we used to think that you could tell if someone was going to be a criminal by feeling their head. So Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's true. Science has come a long way. It sure has. So the three men were convicted. Adams received a 75-year sentence, range a life sentence, and Williams was sent to death row. I don't really understand why they were different, but... Did they think that he was the one who actually did, like, the final kill or something? I, th I think so. Wild. Oh, well, and it also, they're, they're saying that this hair had to be Williams, too. So maybe it, it was a more physical piece of evidence in their mind, I guess. 
It's a crock. Their of mind shit. is fucking dumb. Yeah. yeah, it's a crock of shit. So Williams won a new trial in 1985. Um, Paula Gray, who had been convicted as an accomplice and for perjury after her recantation, reverted to her original story and testified against Williams to gain her own release from prison. The charges against Jimerson were also refiled and both men were convicted and sentenced to death. Archie Weston would later admit during a hearing in a different case that he was so stressed during the trial of Williams, Adams, and Range that he couldn't think straight. He was disbarred for fraud committed in another case. So Archie, <laughs> you're kind of a dick. I take it back. Your name sucks. Your name's well, your name's cool. You suck. <laughs> yeah. Yep. A group of journalism students took up the Ford Heights 4 case in 1996. I think this is pretty cool. They found a witness who had tipped police to the identity of the real killer shortly after the crime. The police never investigated the tip. The investigating team also found two of the three men that were responsible for the crime who eventually confessed. The third was dead. DNA testing corroborated the confessions and Williams cleared through DNA and the investigation of and the investigation of persistent Northwest Northwestern students was released in 1996 having spent a total of over 17 years in prison and death row. Holy shit. Also, good on those students and fuck those cops for not taking up that lead. Right. Well, because they probably were already like, oh, we got them. We don't need to. Yeah, it's done. We don't have to do this. Yeah. Fuck actually catching the right people. We caught someone. Someone. But yeah, I thought that the journalism kids, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, all that is to say, continue to support the Innocence Project. I'm interested uh in what's gonna happen to our buddy melissa lucio i hope she um continues on the way to exoneration herself and all of the people that we've covered that have been working with the innocence project yep Yep. purvis pain uh i'm sure there were i I know there have been more i know there were others yep yeah Well, why don't we do this? You have a padded room that's very bleak. So why don't you go first? Well, I have two padded rooms. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I went to Trader Joe's for the first time today. You've never been to Trader Joe's? I've never been to Trader Joe's. There's a- Well, I don't- Oh, sorry. There's a podcast I listen to called Sounds Like a Cult. And Mm -hmm. they do one about Trader Joe's. (laughs) That's what I'm here to say. And I didn't know that they talked about that on the podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. Go ahead. So- I just to you know confess I am sitting in the shitter at my shop because that is my studio here, mm-hmm. um, and I am eating the few things that I got from Trader Joe's. Um, I walked in there and I felt like I was just in like a hippie Aldi. Uh huh. Um, I mean, like I just didn't get like why people were literally going ape shit to go in the store. There, while I was there, they have a literal cult following. Um, and I walked in and I was like, what the fuck? This is not at all what I was expecting. This is kind of fucking dumb. Um, (laughs) and like, that's like my literal exact thought was this is kind of fucking dumb. Um, and I'm walking around and I'm like, this is really nothing special. I'm glad things are cheap. That's cool. Um, I'm glad there's like a variety and some shit I couldn't get in another store, but like, I'm, I don't necessarily think I would go out of my way to go to a Trader Joe's when I can pick up shit elsewhere mm-hmm. um so for those of you that literally suck trader joe's dick i don't understand <laughs> um i'm very confused 
the dark chocolate bar I'm eating is great. Sure. But like um, you could get it really anywhere else. Yeah. And like, I will say the value was nice. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dispute that. Like I literally got this giant box of mini cheese crackers that I've been eating for like two bucks. And that was cool. Um, And I got three dark chocolate bars for like two bucks. And that was cool. But I still would not go out of my way to go to Trader Joe's. And like, I certainly wouldn't beat up a little old lady over a fucking bouquet of flowers at the front door. That's essentially what was happening when I was there. Well, you have to listen to this episode of Sounds Like a Cult because it's really funny. (laughs) I mean, they're right. It is a cult. Yeah, it is. No, people. And don't they like, wait, don't they have to say something to you? Like something specific? Like, oh, isn't there like something they have to say? Shit, what was that? Um... I mean, if they said something to me, I didn't notice. I just don't fucking pay attention, but. I swear, I'll have to look it up and report back. Um, I don't know. I thought they had to say something weird. But yeah, it was very culty. I don't. Yeah, it's culty. Just, I don't get it. I was just bored because I was waiting for Frank because he was at chemo and I was like, fuck it. There's a Trader Joe's. I'm going to go in and see if I can get some munchies. And I walked in and I was like, this just. I don't understand. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that they, I think they had some kind of weird, maybe not scandal, something weird with their corporate culture that people were actually like not being treated well or something. And they really had to like get their shit together. I don't know. I'll have to send you the episode. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. I'm just not like, Literally, there was a line that would wrap around the Trader Joe's in East Liberty during the pandemic. I am baffled. You could have gone to the Target right down the street. Like, mm-hmm. But I also think Target has a fucking cult following, too. Yeah, I can see that. The only one that doesn't is Walmart, because I think people just don't want to associate with going to the Walmart. Well, and like Walmart is pretty sinister as an organization. So I think people are just like, well, it's but it's cheap, which it is. I It is. Um, yeah. Aldi is creepy though too. <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, their their corporate is creepy because is they it? prey they prey on people fresh out of college and sometimes like out of high school and hire them and then like they trap them essentially because they know that they'll never get a job that pays as much. Mm. Um, and like they pay them really well. Don't get me wrong, but the stress that they go through and shit, like I've heard, it's not worth it. Oh, huh. And like th- that's what they do. Though they tr- they like bring you on, do like all these trips and shit, and then trap you because you know that you will never find a better paying job. You know, and you just keep like it's like a psychological tactic to keep like retain managers and shit. It's fucked up. Well, okay, so. Um, for a hot minute out of college, I worked for a popular taco and burrito and burrito bowl restaurant. Got it. Yep. That rhymes with papolte. Yeah. Got it. Yes. Um, And like, I will say that the ingredients are very fresh. Like we made everything the day of, we made that like nothing was frozen shit like that. Like it was all very fresh. So, um, but there's a very serious lack of fresh ingredients as far as I'm concerned at Chipotle. (laughs) Well, but this was the weird part was that like, they call, they call their employees, like you want to be a top performer. 
Oh, yeah. Yep. And it always, I was always like, what the fuck? It, it was just like, this was, to, you had to be this top performer. And that was like the end all be all of if you were a good Chipotle worker. And I'm like, I'm literally getting paid like $8 That's- an hour. <laughs> That is like culture, I think, through most food places, though, like top sales, who can upsell, who can do this, you got to push appetizers, you got to push this. Um, But that's literally what they called it, though, a top performer. performer. It was so weird. I I think I would have, I then got like an actual, not, I don't want to say an actual job, a job in my field. Um, Like, so I wasn't there for very long. And I probably wouldn't got, would have gotten fired because I couldn't fold a burrito. I could not do it. I mean, it's hard. It's I can't do it. People, because people, you know, would get so much shit in there and I would, yeah. I could never do it. I probably would have gotten, I was probably a low performer. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, bottom performer. <laughs> the bottom. I'm on the bottom. I was Are a, you a top or a bottom? I was a power bottom performer. <laughs> That's amazing. I will, we've had this discussion, but I don't know if we've had it on this podcast. I will go down with the ship of Moe's because Moe's has fresh uh jalapenos and all these other fresh topping options that I cannot get at Chipotle. It pisses me off every fucking time I'm there. Oh, because they don't have like individual like mm-hmm. yeah. I asked the girl for jalapenos the first time I went there and she looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah, they don't have that. And I was just like, okay, what the fuck? So um I will go out of my way to go to Moe's. Um and that's the hill that Rachel will die on. I will die on that hill. Good case is also better at most. Oh, that I will say Chipotle's uh, <laughs> um, uh, queso is fucking garbage. Yeah, it's awful. Moe's is like. It is not top performing queso. It is not top. It's it's like not even bottom performing. It's like underground. It's like it doesn't perform at all. It just lays there. It's dead. Yeah. Dead fish. Yeah, it's like a dead fish. Um. Yeah, so that was uh, my first one. <laughs> the second one is, um, how's Gilead treating you? Because I'm done. I'm, and I think, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think, I think people are very concerned. I'm very concerned. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, in case you live under a rock or maybe in a different country, I don't know, like uh, Roe versus Wade is probably going to be a uh, what uh, dismantled uh overturned i don't even i don't even fucking know my um i saw a meme today and i was like yeah that's it and i posted it to my story it was like if you were willing to let your grandma die two years ago so that you could eat in a fucking applebee's you're not pro-choice i mean pro-life you're you know what i mean i think that it's because yes we can we can make all of those arguments like because that's true like People want to support an unborn fetus because they don't really have to do much with it. Yeah. What are you going to do when it's born? You're not pro-life if you put kids in cages. You're not pro-life if you support the death penalty. Or if you want, like, trans kids to die. (laughs) You're not pro-life if you don't support the welfare system. Um, Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think those are all really good and really important arguments to make. I also think that it's we have to understand that it's okay to have conflicting views within yourself about abortion and Mm -hmm. to still want them to be accessible and safe and not criminalized like 
I think that's a really key point because I think, and it's like I said, it's important, but if we really want to convince people, I think we have to go more along that route so that people can see you don't have to love it. You don't have to, you, it can, it can make you feel conflicted and it can make you feel like you don't have to ever do it. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to, but Mm -mm. why would, why would your, you're not wanting to do it. Why should that make it an unsafe and like stigmatize practice for like at large yeah. people who need abortions? Like why? Abortion is healthcare and that's it. Plain and simple. It is healthcare. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, I think it's, I think it's really honestly a, a stupid argument to make. Like, why wouldn't you just, want something to be safe and accessible so that people don't literally die because they don't actually fucking care. No, they care about the clump of cells that they believe is a human. And, you know, again, again, that, I mean, that's my opinion, but that's what they care about. They care about their, I mean, and you, a lot of it is religion. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is the religious, you know, crazy. And I'm, I'm not, I am again, Believe what you want to believe, but your views and your book club does not fucking affect what I do to my body. And I think it's also even less because I know I know people that are religious that don't support this. I think it's less religion sometimes and more this puritanical. And those are different, I think. Like, I mean, it stems from the same place. It it does, but I... But I know religious people that aren't puritanical. Like No, no, no. And like I said, I'm not saying that everyone who is religious has this belief. I'm not. But it's a lot of it is stemming from religious beliefs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's obvious. But yeah, I, I think that people with a true like connection with what like Christianity should be would not take this view. Uh, right. At all. It's a so, mess. It's a fucking mess. It's an absolute fucking mess. And you're not wrong about that. I don't disagree with that at all. It's it's just that the people who believe the people who understand their religion incorrectly, essentially. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, like or if I have to, that they're killing babies. Like that's not what's happening. No, it's not. If I have to see, so there's a Planned Parenthood in Greensburg uh-huh. that does not do abortions. They <laughs> only do cancer screenings and STD screenings and birth control, preventative care that is not affordable for women. Okay. If I see one more old white man who has definitely jacked off into a fucking sock a couple times in his fucking life, right. say that they're killing babies at that clinic because they'll protest outside of it. Drives mm-hmm. me fucking nuts. I yeah. flip them off. I'm losing my shit on them every weekend. What are you doing? Why are you here? I had a friend, you know what? She volunteered for P- Planned Parenthood. Do you know what her role was as a volunteer? Was she a defender to like fuck with them? She literally walked people inside to keep them from getting harassed. There's a whole TikTok group on, well, on TikTok of defenders, clinic defenders, and they'll go and like fight with these people or like they'll play music and like booty shake on them and stuff and like try and distract them and get them to go away. But like, I just, I don't get it. 
Joey and I will drive by and he's even said that to Lim before. Like, have you ever jerked off in your life? You just killed a baby, according to you. And that could have been a life. It's a really slippery slope because it's like, okay, then I I think a lot of people even think plan B and um It's not. And like even the birth control pill are like Yeah. It's really scary. It's fucking bleak. So under his eye, yeah. um Less I, I don't, be I don't the know. fruit. May the Lord open. It is, but genuinely, like, these memes and stuff are going around about Handmaid's Tale, but, like, genuinely, I think in the show, and definitely in the book, I, I'm pretty sure, like, husbands had to, like, sign off on their wives getting birth control. Like... And that was true. Like, that was true not that long ago. Yeah. No, like, that was a thing. I, You know, you still can't go and get your fucking tubes tied if you're married without your husband's consent. Yeah. So in a lot of places, don't get me wrong, I'm sure you can, but in a lot of places, if your husband does not consent, you can't go and get your tube side. You can't get preventative care like that to stop from having pregnancies. Like it's, it's really fucked up. It's all, our bodies are already fucking controlled and it's just getting worse. And, but you know what, <laughs> on this, uh, this pile of dread, I will say, let me find the let me find the actual source. Um, oh, on there's an Instagram call and website called Data for Progress. Um, okay. And they actually shared this graphic that said there is not a single state where support, where support for a federal ban on abortion has more than 30% support among the public. Thank God. So it's like... But that's among the public. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's no perfect data, but I was like, that is kind of reassuring though like i don't even think a lot of people support this no I, what i meant by that's among the public is i mean how often do they actually take our fucking feelings into consideration whenever they pass or you know uh, well yeah yeah ex- i yes i hear that but i think it's also i think it, there's also something to say for like people are gonna push back and rally and doesn't mean it's gonna work but i think I think that there are, there's going to be a ton of pushback to this. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I hope so. I hope so. So where, where I'm confused is where, where has it landed? Like, are, is this not, this isn't official yet. No, it was leaked. It was so leaked. like, I don't even know what, you know, I truly don't even know where it stands or what's happening. But the fact that we even have to worry about this is fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's gross. And I, but, and I'll also mm. say, at least where we live, Pennsylvania, Tom, Governor Tom Wolf said, like, this will, as long as we're under his leadership, he said he will not, he will continue to protect rights. God, I hope. Because there's a lot of people unhappy with Governor Tom Wolf, and I don't know why, but it's, uh, God, I fucking hope. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as a uh, backup plan, um, you know, just want to point out that uh, your bodily autonomy is a sacred right at the Satanic Temple. Um, I was this- I when you said that I was reading about that. It was pretty interesting, but like I don't understand what could they what could they can fight it legally because oh because it is it's your, like a religious it's a religious mm-hmm. it's a religious um right essentially. So it's and like a taking... religious freedom type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So they cannot take that away from you if you are a member of the Satanic Temple. And the Satanic Temple has been doing, um, they were doing amazing work in Texas when that shit was all yeah, happening. They, they do. They do. And I, <laughs> I know it's silly. I just wish that they would rebrand to a different, because I think they get such a bad rap and people are, I think just like we were talking about puritanical religious shit in this country. Right. Like, I don't think, I feel like they're not but that's the point. paid attention to. But that's the point. You know what I mean? It's the point to say that like, okay, you worship Jesus. So it's, it's okay for you to worship Jesus. And not that the satanic temple worships anyone because they don't, they value science, you know, and facts. Yeah. Yeah. And they even address that in like their yeah. FAQs. They're like, we don't, exactly. we don't even believe Satan's real. Like I get, no. it's like kind of an ironic name, but I just, yeah. I think if it were called something just a little different, yeah. I get I, more I get that, but it also started kind of as like a troll group to fuck with them. Like, okay, you can post your Ten Commandments. Commandments, I can post Baphomet wherever the fuck I want yeah. because it's my right because it's my religious freedom. So, like, you know what I mean? I I don't know. I get what you're saying. It would be really nice if it was like something just like the Society for you know the Movement of Science or some shit. But like, I I don't know. You know, it is what it is. It's a recognized religion. Yeah, and- I mean, you. Yeah, I just, I think that automatically turns a lot of people off because people are like, oh, the satanic panic and all that. Sh-. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, it has, it's, it has satanic nothing. temple is not Satanist. No, and no, exactly. Yeah, it's not. And I think, I think people get kind of hung up on that. They definitely do. But like, you know, the people who do their research and understand that that's not what it's about or the kind of people they want, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it, I, I don't know. But anyway. There is, you know, it's it's just something, I'm not saying that it's actually going to protect you, but it's something you can try and fall back on. And they have helped people fight their cases for abortion and for, you know, what what's happening to them. And so. like, I, I also think it's important for everyone to know, like, you know, someone that's had an abortion. You do. You absolutely do. You and whether that we know several. <laughs> and whether that was because... Uh, there was a sexual assault, whether that was because they had a fucked up one night stand or they made a mistake or whether that was because uh, it was an unwanted pregnancy or a medical. Wait, like where they could have actually died if the abortion or the, or the baby would have had absolutely zero quality of life. Yeah. Or like it would kill the mother. And I think we get yeah. dangerous territory when we're trying to protect um, an unborn, like you said, an unborn kind of clump of cells over an actually fully formed person who can think and reason for themselves (laughs) like terry sent me this fucking video i'll have to send it to you i wanted to vomit like it's literally a woman from ohio who is defending the idea of a 13 year old girl being raped and having to carry that baby to term oh wait is this the one that said something like this is an opportunity or something yeah, like something that. along the lines of that. Yeah. Like uh-huh. I just started getting sick listening to it. And I was like, this is disgusting. I can't do it. And like that, that person can fuck all the way off because yeah. I also get really irritated with like the woman's pregnant or, you know, the, the person's pregnant. So that means they have to accept it because it's this divine opportunity. Like, no, the fuck it isn't. Like, no, the fuck it isn't. And like, your divine opportunity is my absolute horror and absolute nightmare yeah. of yeah. 
um, whatever, you know, whatever the circumstances around it are. Yeah. So fucking hell. Real fucking bleak. But go ahead. What's your padded room? Well, you know what? I think I'll save it. Do you think? Or should I go to you? Um, I'll save it. I'll save it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's all I got. Okay. Do you want to do the socials? Sure. Um, Facebook is Chardonnay and sign DNA. Twitter is no. Twitter is Twitter is no. (laughs) Twitter is no. Twitter is absolutely not. Um, Instagram is Chardonnay and DNA all written out. Um, website is chardonnayanddna.com. Email is chardonnay and, well, I think it's literally just, yeah, chardonnayanddna at gmail.com. Um, that's it. We rally at dawn. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> Can we rally at noon? I don't want to get up that early. Oh, uh, fair enough. We'll rally at like three o'clock. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Can you hear me tapping? Do <laughs>